Welcome to Crux Investor. We're here today with Nico Kakos. Uh, he's the CEO of Blue Sky Uranium. They have an operation down in Argentina. Good morning, I guess, Nico. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for making the time to be with us. Let's go through a yeah. summary of the uh, projects so we get a sort of sense of what, what they're like. I've, I've been through it, so maybe if I may ask some questions as we go along, sure, that'll sure. be helpful. Thank you. We have um, not just a deposit of uranium vanadium, but we have an entire district. Yep. And that's really where the upside is. And this district spans 145 kilometers in length, over 50 kilometers wide. So again, speaks volumes to the undiscovered potential that, that lies within a country like Argentina. Mm -hmm. um, and, and recently, just about a year ago, uh, we announced uh, our first uh, deposit, 43101 deposit, and our PA was announced about a month ago. So what we have is just under 23 million pounds of uranium, 11 million pounds of vanadium, and that's all within a three kilometer by three kilometer area. And again, this, this has the potential to expand, to grow, to become amongst the largest deposits of uranium in the world. And what's key here is the way that this deposit lies it lies right up on surface. It's within the first 25 meters from surface down. And it's also not in hard rock. It's sort of a, a compressed gravel. So it means in terms of cost, this is very cheap to extract and to separate. And in fact, our PEA, our preliminary economic assessment, indicates that we can produce this at $16 a pound, which ranks us amongst the lowest cost producers in the world, like those we see in Kazakhstan. And we've only started scratching on the surface. We wanted first to, we wanted to prove two things uh, in, in this. One, that we can be amongst the lowest cost in the world, and the second point, to be amongst the largest. So I think we've been able to demonstrate now that we are amongst the lowest cost, and we're about to embark now on an exploration campaign that can demonstrate that this 23 million pound deposit can grow you know, twofold, threefold, fourfold, can be over a hundred million pounds. So, so let's say even if we have a kind of plus or minus 30% on a PEA, um, yeah. it's fairly industry standard, that's still pretty, pretty low. I, I should say as low as the, the, the Kazakh number. It's still not quite economic at today's prices. So you need some help there with the, with the pricing. Well, it, it's, it's break even at today's spot prices around $30, but you know, when there is, um, when you have a production, you don't sell at spot. Most of the contract prices are $50 or $60. And you're selling this so, into the Argentine market? And well, the Argentine market is a very interesting market because um, Argentina, unlike other countries in, in uh, Latin America, actually has uh, a nuclear regime uh, since they, they've been active since the 50s. They've got three nuclear reactors that, they, that they've got going right now, mm -hmm. and they import all the uranium for that. They have a number of research, uh, research uh, reactors, and they control every aspect mm -hmm. of the nuclear industry except for production. So they currently have to import all their, all their uranium, and they're paying uh, between $75 and $85 a pound for that. Why? 
because that's 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 you have to remember that uh, nuclear reactors, the cost of uranium is actually quite negligible to the cost of actually shutting down a reactor and keeping it on care maintenance. So to have a surety of that import of that price, they will pay a higher price because it becomes quite negligible. And because also that they ship it, they're probably paying 10 to $15 in shipping costs per every pound of uranium. So Argentina right now has definitely is very much encouraging, uh, would like to have a domestic source of uranium. And we've been talking to them. They know very aware of who we are and what we have. They're very keen what we, you know, we are the largest and most advanced deposit in Argentina. And uh, we have a lot of support uh, to become the, the next supplier for that country. And, and that, but it's, it's obviously relatively small. We're talking about three nuclear plants, another one under construction. Yeah. It's, we're not talking a massive amount of volume. No, they, they would probably, they, uh, right now they import about uh, half a million pounds a year, probably in the next couple of years, that'll probably be up to about a million. Mm -hmm. uh, they likely would stockpile some uranium. So they, the, the way the law is written is that Argentina has uh, first right to acquire any uranium that's produced mm -hmm. at international market prices. So it wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything special. So that would be our first supplier. And then anything left over, of course, would be uh, for export market. And what's the other thing that's interesting that we have uh, within our uh, uranium deposit is we have the occurrence of vanadium. And vanadium is of late, uh, for those attuned to the mining uh, metals markets, would know that you know we've seen the price of vanadium for the last few years being three, four dollars a pound, and now it's trading about fifteen dollars a pound. So there's a big demand for that. And again, the, the you know it's a battery metal, just like lithium. Uh, it's used for storage, but that's not the main driver. The main driver, of course, for vanadium is its use uh, as a steel hardener. And China's uh, recently, uh, you know, um, have mandated an increase in the amount of vanadium in, in steel production. And that's brought up and is currently sustaining the higher price of vanadium. Now, Argentina has also a huge need for vanadium because they have an active uh, oil and gas industry in southern Argentina. And they're constantly manufacturing pipelines. And these pipelines require vanadium to make them hard. So there would be another market there for that metal as well. And what, obviously the, the vanadium market, the pricing is erratic to say the least. Um, is, does yeah. the PA include the vanadium component or is that just focused on the no, it, it, It's inclusive of the, of the right. vanadium component. Right. right. And what, tell me about, when you say significant, what do you mean? Well, the, the vanadium contributes, you know, quite a bit to, to help offset some of the costs and, and to make for every pound of uh uh, rock that we extract to make it that much more uh, um, valuable and it's no additional cost for us to extract it. The metallurgical process involves just scooping up the, the, the gravel, putting it through a sieve, removing the larger rocks that, because the mineralization is in the dust and then basically we, we were able to reduce that by get rid of 75-80% of the waste rock which is clean and then we put the rest of it on a leach pad and a simple alkaline solution, which is cheap and well proven throughout the world, extracts both the vanadium and the uranium. So it's a very simple, low cost way to get it out. And as we expand our deposit, we're going to see all our costs begin to come down. Fantastic. So I'm hearing Argentina is a very friendly jurisdiction in terms of not only mining, uh, you know, now, but also with regards to uranium, it's seen as possibly a strategic uh, resource for them.
Yes, I mean, we, we have been active in Argentina, like I said at the outset, for 26 years now. So I guess we can call ourselves experts in, in, in operating in that country. And, you know, in, no matter what country you operate in, it, it, when you're a foreigner, it, it takes a while. You have to acquire uh, and understand the, the, the local uh, needs, the local misgivings and so forth, and develop your contacts and, and, and people that go to, uh, both within this industry, government. And we've always recognized that, and uh, we've been very successful at, at, at establishing a, a being good guests, so to speak, in, in a country like Argentina. So Argentina right now um, has a government run by uh, Mauricio Macri, uh, a businessman. He's uh, very pro-business. Um, they very much want to see the development of the mining industry a lot further than it, than it has come. They want to see it as a larger component of, uh, you know, contributing to their economy. Um, they have we have uh, approached us. They have indicated that uh, if there's any uh, roadblocks or red tape that's in the way, let them know they're going to do whatever they can to facilitate it. We, we'd like working in Argentina. It's a safe country in which to work with. It's abundant mm -hmm. with, uh, with natural resources. And in, with respect to the uh, uranium that we have, because they have the entire uh, framework for dealing with nuclear materials and so forth, it makes it much that much easier. They already understand the language, they understand the fears, they, they're members of all the international agreements. So it, it's just much, much more fluid and much easier for us in which to operate. Tell me a little bit yeah. about this this board uh, that you, you're working with. The, the management team has three members on the board, myself, Joe Grosso, one of the early pioneers of Argentina. He's been recognized and awarded uh, in Argentina as, uh, you know, one of the, in the mining hall of fame, uh, one of the key persons to, 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 to open up mining in Argentina, we, you know, with our successes and with the, our method of operating in, uh, in terms of being able to deal effectively and with respect up not just uh, levels of government, but at the community level. That's been our modus operandi for some time. Mm -hmm. uh, the other person on our board is Dr. David Terry, who's a PhD uh, geologist. Again, he has an extensive experience in a number of industries, including, uh, including um, uranium. And uh, most recently joining our, our, our team as uh, vice president of exploration has been uh, Guillermo Pensado. Uh, Guillermo Pensado has been very key uh, to help us advance uh, and, and crystallize the discovery that we have in the, the uranium. Yeah. Uh, he has, uh, he's Argentinian, has a, a long track record of mining in specializing uranium in Argentina, which is not an easy thing to find. And he has a master's degree from Queen's University in, in uh, Toronto, so in, in, in economic geology. So he's been able to bring this project together. And just last September, he was awarded as Explorationist of the Year in Argentina. So uh, we have a top, top tier uh, working for us. Also working with us is uh, Chuck Edwards, uh, as our technical advisor, Chuck works at the Saskatchewan Research Council. He's a process engineer and a metallurgist, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, he, one of the, he, he's been uh, a, a consultant with the in, International Atomic Energy Agency, and just in the, in the uranium world, he's very well known. I think there's hardly any uranium uh, mine that doesn't have his fingerprints <laughs> on uh, process engineering and metallurgy. So we're very proud to be working with him. And of course, uh, another local in Argentina is Jorge Barriso. 
uh, who's retired from the Argentinian atomic energy, and he headed exploration in Argentina, and he was, and still is, very instrumental in being able to you know, point us in the right direction there. So we truly have a, a, a very solid, solid award-winning team. And you know, any, any company is, is really the product of, of its people. Is, um, so you're based in Vancouver? Yes. Been, but working in Argentina for the last 25 odd years? Yes. And do you sit on any other boards or is this your core focus? I sit on this board and we have another company called Golden Arrow, which is a Grosso Group uh, managed company. And I sit on that board that, and, and uh, that's it. And then we have a lithium company also in Argentina and I sit on that board. Right. No, we focus on, we manage our own shops. <laughs> Report card for 2018, what's it look like for Blue Sky Uranium? 18 was the year that we announced uh, our maiden resource. Uh, at that time it was just under 20 million pounds and uh, and also the, was the year that we uh, we completed all our studies for the PEA that got announced actually in, in late February of 2019 mm. so that was a truly a big landmark because it, I think we were able to demonstrate to the um, uranium world that hey here's a deposit in southern Argentina that's uh, amongst the lowest cost. It's very similar to what they have in uh, in, in Africa, like at Langerhandrick or in Kazakhstan, the Inkai deposit. And uh, so that, that's been a really a, 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 a landmark uh, year for us. But going forward, if I can add, sure. what we're planning in the next six months, we we plan now to invest in exploration. Exploration is uh, relatively cheap. So the next two or $3 million worth of exploration, we hope to grow our deposit uh, from 23 million pounds to wherever it may be. We th we're thinking, you know, it has the potential to double and triple. And uh, then by the end of the fourth quarter of this year, we're planning to begin our engineering studies and feasibility studies to begin to take our project towards production. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, and what, what did the PEA announcement do for your share price? The PEA announcement uh, did have an effect on our share price. It, uh, um, you know, we were able to raise, you know, from from sub fifteen cents to about close to twenty. So, um, you know, it, we've it hasn't been a huge huge move. Um, the price of uranium, although we're seeing that you know, in, in the market hasn't had last year has made a move of well, almost 50% um, has had a bit of a pullback in the first quarter. And I think that's what uh, we're sailing against the wind here, right. but uh, we're going to see the price of uranium continue to pick up uh, going forward. And I think we're good. The projects that are near at production or very near production are going to be those that are going to get uh, the biggest uh, lift. And I think blue sky is very well positioned for that. In the last uranium bull market, I think one of the worst producing uh, uranium companies uh, had over 2,000% appreciation. So uranium can be uh, a very, very, uh, you know, profitable way to get make. Okay, so so, so let's 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 talk about the uranium market a bit. Um, sure. you, you, in your PowerPoint, page five, you think you quote a number of sixty-five bucks. Uh, it doesn't say when. I think you know. Have you? Are you? Uh, are you going to stick your neck out and make a forecast? And in, in terms of when you think that'll happen? Well, I'm not a forecaster. Uh, there are others much smarter than me that that are that that read all those you know all the details that are involved in that. But uh, I read what they write and uh, and and see what's happening in in the current uranium market. 
And uh, I think we're going to see a uranium price, maybe not $65 this year, but uh, I think once it crosses north between $30 and $35, I think there's going to be a real rush to invest in uranium companies. And I think that's going to happen sometime this year. Well, it, I, I suspect the rush will be to companies that are producing at levels which allow them to be economic at 30, 35, because not everyone. That's can. right. And there isn't that many. There isn't that many. Most companies, I think, in Canada and Athabasca require a $60 price, $65 price. At that price, uh, we would be making a very handsome profit. So yeah. we know that, you know, if we were in production today and we had a, 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 an agreement with Argentina, we would be making money today. At current prices, we're probably at best, at worst, break even. Right. So, so just just help me out and help some of the viewers out here, perhaps a little bit nearer to this than than than, than you. Um, give us a sort of potted history. It's been a very sort of turbulent last 10, 15 years, obviously, with various events. Can you just sort of describe the uranium market, you know, from then to where it is today? Sure. I mean, we've seen the uranium market reach uh, about a decade ago was trading at about 100 and $35 a pound. And then in 2011, there was a, a earthquake and a tsunami in, in Japan, which uh, knocked out the Fukushima uh, old uh, nuclear power plant. And uh, since then, and what that had the effect in Japan, it caused them to shut down all their reactors uh, in the entire country so that they could examine the safety uh, issues associated with each one so they don't have another such uh, type of uh, the disaster. So um, the effect since 2011 to now has been that the uranium market has been depressed because it's been in, uh, the market has been in oversupply. But we're seeing a lot of the an acceleration right now in a number of Japanese reactors coming back onto the market. So the supply is coming is has been used up quite a bit, and uh, we're also seeing uh, you know in China. And India being the main drivers for new nuclear reactors being built. Those are, I think there's over 43 nuclear reactors being built just in China. But beyond that, even in, in, in most emerging countries, it's becoming very well recognized that nuclear reactors are the best bet for creating uh, sustainable, secure, and safe uh, supplies of energy. It's a very efficient way how to produce electricity. So we're seeing that in countries like even in, in, in oil producing countries like Emirates mm. and in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so I, 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 I truly believe and in Argentina is another one too. So I truly believe that the price of uranium is going to continue to rise. Uh, I think we're going to see over 30, 35 by the end of this year. And then next year, it's going, there's going to be a scramble at some point for the new nuclear, uh, for nuclear reactor utilities to acquire um, uh, steady supplies of uh, uranium contracts. And at that point, like you said, those that are either at production or very near production are those that are gonna uh, benefit the most from it. And Blue Sky, we're, we're getting very close to that stage right now. Yes, the Japanese market came offline after Fukushima. There was an oversupply in the marketplace, Japan coming back online. So it wasn't really a, a conception issue or a, a reputational issue around nuclear per se. It was just an oversupply in the market that has affected price, in your opinion. That's right. It was because the it wasn't the, the supply became oversupplied because the demand shut down. Right. Japan shut down uh, and then Germany shut down. 
but we're seeing new openings now. In fact, uh, just last week, uh, I think even in the United States, there was an affirmation by the current government that they'd like to see nuclear play a larger role in the U.S. and right. to bring that 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 role back to a leadership role to where it used to be. So we're seeing that if you want to produce a carbon-free energy right now, uh, you know, new uh, wind and solar aren't quite there in the efficiencies quite yet. There's probably a few years, quite a few years away if they're ever going to get there. But nuclear is definitely there. And also the cost of nuclear building and operating nuclear reactors has come down substantially. Right. And uh, they're becoming more, much more viable uh, alternatives for uh, countries to, to create electricity. But that said, you've still got people who are campaigning and going, oh, there's what do we do with nuclear waste, etc. You know, how, how do you how do you counter those sorts of um, people? Well, I mean, there's waste produced in everything. Uh, coal produces a, a byproduct of waste. There are companies that deal with that. Uh, oil and gas produces waste. There are companies that deal with that. Nuclear industry produces waste. Um, and uh, there are new improving technologies to reduce the, the size of a lot of waste. Um, they are recycling a lot of the radioactive elements and using them back into uh, as inputs in, in the nuclear reactors. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways to deal with that and treat with waste that are safe and, and, uh, and, and secure. Mm -hmm. um, I think nuclear energy is going to be playing a much bigger role in our uh, in our global uh, electricity generation in the in the future. Okay, so um, you obviously got a lot planned for this year. A uh, few few yeah. few big deliverables are coming. You've delivered a couple of things, obviously with the with the uh, resource and the PEA. Got a few a uh, bit more exploration to do, and then your um, you know fourth quarter activity. Um, do you hope that each of those things will have a, an effect on your share price, a positive effect on your share price, or do you think ultimately it's going to come down to the price of the commodity, the price of uranium in the marketplace? Well, yeah, the price of the commodity is going to be important, mm -hmm. but I think um, as we move forward here, it, it, we demonstrate that the, this, I, I want to prove that this deposit can grow substantially. Mm -hmm. I think when we begin our engineering studies and actually go into production at, some, at that point, irrespective of where the price of the commodity is. Even if the commodity is at $30, $35, but if we have a contract and we're producing uranium and selling it at 50 or 60 or $70, we're gonna be priced by the earnings that we have at that point. So, and I think that that point will come very, very soon and very quick. So um, all I know is, yes, the, 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 the uh, environment for the uranium price is gonna be improving over the short term, over the near term but more importantly i can't control that what i can control is what we do with the company and i think we're stepping the company in the right direction and uh, creating definitely creating good value for shareholders and have you got enough cash to deliver that activity this year i uh, know we're going to have to raise the funds to uh to embark on our exploration uh they'll take us down to the third quarter and then at that point, we'll be raising additional funds for our engineering studies. And I, so the timing of that is what, Q3, Q4? Yeah, Q4 for engineering, yes. Right. And the, and the fundraise itself, sometime before that, I guess? It's sometime, yeah. It's sometime probably in the next month or so. Next month or so. And, and is, have you let the market know what sort of quantum you're looking for? You're going to be raising? No, I mean, we're, we're, we're still uh, putting together our budgets now, but our estimates are between 2 and $3 million Canadian. Okay. 
Okay, so, so is that a substantial amount of funds? Yeah, that's, okay, not it's not substantial, um, and obviously, I mean, you, the the borders, your significant holders between you, you you, you hold a big chunk of this. Yes, we do. We own uh, between the board members, insiders, uh, our families, and close friends. We've got about sixty-five percent of the company, and, and which is really substantial because we've been funding this through a period where uh, a, a lot of investors have been shining uranium. And uh, we completely believe in what we're doing. Um, we wanted to move this along. So the biggest of the source of funds has been ourselves. And uh, we've been uh, very good at that. We've, I think we brought it up to a very good point. I think we're continuing to be investors and in going forward. Um, we think we're on to something truly world-class here, a new uranium district. This is important, not just to Argentina, but I think in the global uh, nuclear world, uh, what we have is going to be important and, 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 and substantial. And I think people are beginning to listen and uh, we're, I'm beginning to see a lot more interest from uh, various investors at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're, you're obviously after the right things. You want the, the, the size of the resource and it's a district wide resource. So it's, it's, you know, that yeah. that's, uh, what, you know, hopefully a world class asset. I mean, to fund that going forward, that's always going to be the difficult bit in terms of constantly being on the road to, you know, raise capital and hopefully not to, in a too dilutive manner. Um, you is that who's the who's the team on board who does the the hunting of the cash? It's it's all been it's all been internal. We we have our own team here. We've been able. I, I'm confident we can raise the funds. We'll raise the money to do the exploration program. And then when it gets to engineering studies, I think at that point, the engineering companies themselves will actually help fund it because that the more money you raise, you know, the easier it gets. Yeah. And I think we can do a combination of debt at that time. And of course, we'll just look at the context of the market and see what's best. We're, we're very keen, I think, to keep uh, the company undiluted uh, as much as possible because we are, in turn, our large shareholders. I'm a, a very substantial shareholder of the company. We keep all our costs down. Uh, our overhead costs, uh, you know, we don't pay executives uh, big salaries. My salary is absolutely negligible. Uh, you know, our win is going to be from the stock appreciation. And that, so our interests are truly lined up with the interests of shareholders. And I think uh, we're getting very close to, uh, to, to getting to that point. Great. And, and so just that you, if you guys are sitting on 65%, there's another 35% floating. Is that mainly retail and Canadian retail or have you got... It's all, it's all retail at this point. We haven't been approaching any institutional shareholders pre, pre for the PEA. I think now that we've got the PEA out, uh, we're beginning to both receive uh, contact from certain institutions and we're out there marketing and making them aware of what, what we have because there are uh, uranium funds that, and other institutions that are taking, beginning to take positions in uranium as they can see that there's a forecast of a near-term uh, increase in uh, uranium valuation for uranium assets. So we're beginning to get on their radar map. And I think as that goes, continues, I think we're gonna begin to see the uh, our market get cleaned up and see better valuations for our company. I mean, our PEA indicates that our, you know, just our current deposit has a, a net present value of $135 million. Uh, US are, you know, in US funds, you know, our company is valued at less than $20 million, $15 million. So there's almost a tenfold uh, disparity there. And that, and I attribute a lot of that with, uh, with uh, not just being unknown at this point. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're, that's, that's interesting, actually. So you think the institutional guys are starting to wake up to uh, uranium again? 
uh, and understand yeah. the, the, the potential. I, obviously, I, people are talking about the Section 232 in the States, and I think that will have you know benefit to the U.S. uranium producers. We, I can think of a couple uh, at this point. Um, but is that having much of an impact elsewhere? I mean, is that something which is, you know, it's raising awareness in the market for companies like yourself? Well, we're starting to see that. Just last week, I participated in a town hall uh, where there was a uh, um, uh, Rick Rule of Sprott uh, uh, Securities uh, was talking about the price of uranium and uh, very much a believer and some some other smart people on there talking about taking a position in uranium now. So we're beginning to, to hear more about that and beginning to see that. Uh, there's a uranium fund, I think, that, that's getting listed in uh, London uh, yeah. that's buying uh, 10 or 20 million pounds of uranium and stockpiling it. So we're, we're beginning to see these kinds of things happen right now. And so the uranium market is uh, definitely on the move. Just no one knows how quick it will move. Seems um, well. That's uh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> well, so okay. So you've got a district wide asset. You've got you're going to raise the cash to get you through to the end of the year. You think there's a kind of general movement in the marketplace appreciation of uranium is a sort of hot topic for 2019, uh, and hopefully the price moves along with that. Um, you've you've got an experienced team. You've been in the country for a long time. You you know what you're doing. You know how to work. You know how to work. Um, there, but why should anyone care about Blue Sky versus the other uranium explorers? Um, you know, whether it be Africa or, or elsewhere in the world. You know, why why Blue Sky versus them? I I, I think uh, Blue Sky has a much better opportunity here, to, not just for appreciation. Because we've got the support of the uh, of the government, and uh, we can get permitted very quickly. We can we plan to be in production in the next year and a half to two years. So this is something that will go into production uh, very very quickly relative to other markets. If you have a uranium discovery, uh, whether it be in, in an African country or even in another country like Peru or Colombia, um, it'll take a long time uh, to get permitted for production uh, because the, the regulatory framework for nuclear industry just simply isn't there. Argentina has a need, a domestic need, and uh, in fact, we could, go, we could begin to move to go into production now, but I think uh, uh, it's prudent to show that we've got some, some you know, some uh, expansion potential and then begin the production going into you know the move towards production very quickly um also, like we said earlier those companies that are at very very near production or at production are those that are going to get the best valuation and i think we're very very quickly positioning blue sky for that and the best time to buy blue sky is not at the end of the year if the price of uranium has moved up now is a great time because you know, it's undervalued, it's unknown. I think as the year goes by and our marketing activities pick up and the price of uranium picks up, uh, yeah. this guy will be on the go, so. Uh, well, well there, there's a line that's often used. Um, so but, but explain to me why. So you say you're undervalued. In what context do you think you're undervalued? Vis-a-vis -vis uh, vis -vis the project where we have it at the stage that we're at. I mean, our PEA indicates $135 million value for that. Even. If it was as a PEA, if you discount that by 50%, that still puts it at a 60, $65 million uh, evaluation. And we're trading 
15 million dollars that's that's a, you know it, it's it's very low right now and uh, I, I think we, we do hope to change that very quickly as as uh, you know as our marketing activities begin to pick up fantastic fantastic okay Nick as, as a first time first time meeting you and hearing the story about the company that's uh, great 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 to hear what you're doing down there in Argentina Fantastic that it's such a low-cost um, project. I mean, that's quite exciting for you, especially yeah. the, the the uranium price as it is. Um, I'd love to catch up with you in the next couple of months, see how things go as you as you you know go for the next the fundraise and obviously moving into doing a bit more drilling and exploration. So, do stay in touch and um, thank you for today. Great, thank you. Great, to, great meeting you as well. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you wanna see more insightful, in-depth, honest, and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.